When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't think we took this team too lightly. I think they played really well today. Um, you know, I talked to him all week long about their defensive line. You know, I talked to him about uh, some of the players on offense. You know, I've, I mean, I, I talked to him pretty good about it this week. So I don't think we took him too lightly. I think they came out and kicked our butts. I have not lost faith in this football team, but it just shows you kind of what every week is a new week. You got to go out and play. And uh, just because somebody says that you're supposed to win, doesn't mean that's going to happen. Oh my God. Ventline was, Man, Manny and I going into the game were like, this will be, it's a nice September day. Vikings are going to trounce. Mm-hmm. We're going to get three calls on Ventline because what's the point of like, no one's going to. And it turned into <laughs> one of the more outraged episodes in recent Ventline history yesterday. Do you recall in your time watching this team, do you recall more inexplicable loss? No. I don't either. In fact, Manny threw that question out yesterday. And I think there's there's definitely losses that really let you down, obviously, like getting beat by 30 points in the NFC Championship game really mm-hmm. let you down. But it, it was a road game against, against a good team, a team that went on to win the Super Bowl. And it was a team that had a great defense and all these things. Uh, 41 Donut was definitely a buzzkill, letdown, surprising finish. But again, that was the NFC Championship game on the road. And the Giants, you know, were one of the yeah. best teams in the NFL. Yeah, this was this is one of the in terms of what the spread was and then what the final score was. It's one of the biggest upsets in the history of football, right? I mean, NFL football, anyways. Yes, it's not Appalachian State over Michigan upset. <laughs> yes, um, it was. It's I can't for the life of me. Twenty four hours after the fact, I can't begin to explain to you what I saw. I can't. Buffalo's not, and this is not. I cautioned people in hour one. I said, let's not, let's not. The Bills are not going to be twelve and four. Yeah, and I said, let's, and I said, let's not go with with the oh, the Bills. They surprised you, and the Bills, the Bills aren't that good. They had a nice day, but they aren't that good. This is on you. If you're the Vikings, this is on you. You failed in every facet of that game. It was weird because you kept thinking, even when they fell down early, say, okay, well. Man, that uh, 15-yard penalty extended the first drive, and okay, Buffalo scored some points. And then, oh man, this is about as bad as it gets. The Vikings fumble, now Buffalo gets it back. And even at 10 nothing, and then at, even at 17 nothing. Yeah, that's what I told Judd. I thought, eh, yeah, they're, gonna, they're still going to win this game, so right? Even at 24 nothing, it was like, eh, right? At, seven, win the at game, seven, right? 17 nothing was the last time I looked at the scoreboard and thought, they'll still win. So even at seventeen nothing, you oh, thought yeah. they'd still win. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought they're going to wake up. Yeah, I, I did too. 
Now, um, dug this up from somewhere on the Twitter uh, sphere yesterday. And this is a good illustration of how this loss doesn't have to define your season. It doesn't have to be that the sky is falling. It's a terrible loss. And with with, with a schedule that's going to be difficult to get to the 11-12 wins necessary in a tough NFC, it's definitely not a loss you can just brush off. I get that. But in 1995... The Dallas Cowboys were 17 and a half point favorites at home against the Washington Redskins and lost the game. It was their second time losing to Washington that year. Uh, Washington started Heath Schuler at quarterback in that game. That was a North Turner coached Washington Redskins team. Yep. Schuler, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and Dallas had Hall of Famers up and down the field. Yep. They were still in the middle of a dynasty. Yep. It was a terrible loss. It was later in the year, and they collected themselves. They came back and they won the Super Bowl. They beat Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. So just worth noting that sure. it, there is precedent here. But they lost that game by seven points. This is what I don't get. If the Vikings got upset, if they got upset by a field goal or a touchdown, I would say that's a really bad loss. And it's slightly disturbing, but but I want I need to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. I can't get my head around the fact there's no reason for them not to have shown up, and yet they didn't in every facet. Uh, yes, I. And so, so if they had lost by a reasonable score, and they had come back, you know, let's say, let's say they, they're down twenty-seven rip at, at halftime, and then they come back and score twenty points or something, and time runs out, and I say to myself, okay, you played a really bad half, but you rallied, you came back. That's not excusing it, but I sort of get it. Yeah, I don't think we know what it means until they play the Rams and the Eagles. Maybe it's right because because right now it's just, you might be right. To what you're saying, it's it's super weird that they let this happen. And a team that's primed to win the Super Bowl doesn't lose at home to Josh Allen. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen. Because that's what we talked about on Ventline yesterday was, now the question is, as inexplicable as that game was yesterday, now the question is, how do they respond? Mm -hmm. Because you just, you kicked away a game here. Like, you kicked away a game that you, like, you didn't even show up to a game that you should have dominated so now you have to make up for that. You have to pick up the slack that you've left behind now by losing that game, and it needs to be in one of these next two games. Yeah, Otherwise, you, you're in trouble. You need context for it because right right now you don't have any con- Right now it's just that's, one of the worst losses in yeah. the history of the franchise just in terms of where you're at, where they're at, where you're playing the game. So without context, it just feels dirty, and it feels terrible if you're a fan and you went and paid money to watch that for three hours. Thankfully, those of us watching on TV got Tony Romo and Jim Nance. How was it? It was incredible. Was yeah. it? Yeah. At one point, Tony Romo made a little one-liner joke. It was sometime in the fourth quarter, and the Vikings were pinned again at their own eight-yard line. And Jim Nance comes back from commercial break and says something like, and another long field for the Minnesota Vikings starting at their own eight-yard line. And Tony Romo goes, and probably another four-yard pass. Under uh, duress. Under duress by Kirk Cousins. Good for and him. Just making fun of their entire offensive And sure approach. enough, the first play was what? Like a dump off to... <laughs> a two-yard loss. A two, for a yeah, it was like a <laughs> handoff or like a quick pass or something yeah. for like three yards. But you know who feels great after yesterday? That his career was validated? Leslie Frazier. With that sit back and let them paper cut you to death. But the Dare best them part, to paper cut you to death defense. The best part about that whole thing is he was, McDermott stripped him of defensive play calling duties at halftime of the previous game. But it's his scheme, So McDermott, McDermott called the, the plays. And if McDermott, if th- this turns out to be a decent team defensively, McDermott should be in trouble for not calling the plays from day one. You, you gave up, what, 
48 points to Baltimore in week one, something like that? But right. that but that defensive strategy is what drove us nuts during the Leslie Frazier era here, which is you can't just sit back and let a team pick you apart and, and hope that they can't run 14 plays without, you know, throwing two incompletions. Well, that's what they made the Vikings do for three hours yesterday, and it worked. According to Next Gen Stats, Jerry Hughes had 15 pressures on Sunday. That's the most in a NFL game in the last three seasons. And how many were credited to? Were they all lined up against Riley Reef? Probably he had well, a terrible there was one day. where he so went Riley Reef had 14, 15 pressures. Well, I don't know that. Well, there for was sure, one where Rudolph, <laughs> where, where Rudolph was over on that side, and Hughes went right around Rudolph, and Riley Reef got assigned to somebody else, one of the interior there, linemen or something. There is no way on God's green earth that they actually asked for for that though. Kyle couldn't block me. He can catch passes. He can't block. I know. That whole thing, but that offensive line. Yeah, he if, didn't really block on that play either. <laughs> if you want if you want to take things from yesterday's game and say, I'm concerned about that, your offensive line is in shambles again right now. You can't run the ball. And with Cook, it's not it's not like it's great either. You can't run the ball and you you have a quarterback who's prone to fumble who is under pressure. Yeah, the fumbling is definitely a thing. Kirk, he fu- he fumbled 13 times last year for Washington. Kirk Cousins became the Washington starter in 2015. Since then, including yesterday's game, 34 fumbles. Are his hands as small as Dante Culpepper's hands? 13 lost. Patrick suggested that today. He's like, Have we, when's the story on Kirk Cousins' hands coming? <laughs> How small they are. Does he have small hands? Do we know? I have no what idea. Are, what his hands I, I know, know Dante did. I know Teddy did. I mean, no. Dante had small hands because he was... Six five and two hundred and sixty pounds. Now, and Kirk no, he had normal sized hands, but the rest of him was just enormous, just too big, just the little Burger King hands, too small. <laughs> but I got these tiny hands, man. <laughs> he couldn't grip the like, whopper. That was a creepy ad campaign. There's no other. There's no way around that. That was a really creepy ad campaign. But I don't know what cousin's problem is, but he doesn't sense pressure too. Yeah. Sometimes he does. Other times he doesn't. <laughs> well, but okay. he's, he's he's not. Okay, he's clearly not Aaron Rodgers, but sometimes he looks like an Aaron Rodgers. We actually we should talk about this when we come back, and that sometimes he'll give you the 400 yard carve him up performance like he did against Green Bay, and then the difference between him and the other top tier quarterbacks was on display yesterday, which we can talk more about. Uh, you know what makes you feel really good though, if you're a Viking fan, looking across the other side of the border, that there was also a devastating loss for the Packers. And thanks to our friends on the fan in Milwaukee, the Green and Gold Post Game Show, we capture, we capture the devastation. Go, Pat, go! If I was first being introduced to the game, I doubt that I would be drawn into it and take an interest. How it affects me now, I'm not going to stop watching them, but quite frankly, this loss, the edge is a little bit taken off of it because I have less respect for the game, and quite honestly, I think that's going to translate to the Lombardi Trophy too. Um, that's just me, but my son feels the same way. <laughs> my son feels the same way. Go, Pat, go! Uh, I was the last caller last week. I waited a half hour. And Gary was on, and I said, "You got to sit Clay Matthews. They're making it. They're starting with an example with one player. The Miami Hurricanes went three seasons doing antics. They did not single out a player. They put it in the rule book, and then everything changed. 
They're making an example of one person. You got to sit him. He's just hurting the team. Besides, what is he doing besides what he's doing? Thanks, I'll hang up. Hurting the team. I love to see the behind the scenes officiating meetings in the NFL where they just have a photo, a blown up photo of Fathead of Clay Matthews with a lock. Public enemy number one with the blonde, the blonde locks flowing through. You know what? I look Clay Matthews. I I don't disagree with him. Let me preface this by saying I don't disagree with him, but I don't want to hear him complaining about this stuff anymore. This whole the whole reason why this is happening and the whole reason why there's been further emphasis on this rule was because his teammate got hurt last year. Correct. And his teammate also was thrown to the ground violently on Sunday and it didn't draw a flag because the referee didn't see it. Is it okay to set a new rule and say everyone outside of Green Bay can complain about these new soft hits on the quarterbacks, 15-yard penalties? But if you're in Green Bay, if you're Clay Matthews, if you're a Packers fan, you can't complain. Because all of your complaining for the last 12 months is what led us to this point. Yeah. So you can shut up. The rest of us now get to complain. Exactly. That's the rule. Exactly. Which which might very well be why Clay is being targeted. I could easily see that. I don't think he's being targeted. I think he's just been unlucky that a lot of guys are getting called for this. I think officials are beyond frustrated because there's no rhyme or reason to these calls. And so I think when they see a Packer do it, they're like... What the hell? Throw the flag. (laughs) Maybe. When in doubt, throw the flag. Let's talk more about what we saw from Kirk Cousins yesterday, which wasn't a whole lot, and uh, more on the Jimmy Butler slash uh, Wolves media escapades. Jeb was there. Jeb was was famous on social media today. We'll get to that too. 5-0. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic brought to you by the Better Business Bureau. If you're headed eastbound on 694, look out for a crash uh, that may slow your commute. That crash is located between Long Lake Road and 35W in New Brighton. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Third and seven from the 10. Pressure on Cousins. Pocket collapsing. And Cousins, the ball comes out. And it looks like Buffalo's recovered. They got it. Buffalo football at the 15. Here's Cousins. Pressure on him. And the ball's out again. And the Bills recovered again at the 25-yard line. Yeah, I don't know. Kirk Cousins against Green Bay compared to Kirk Cousins at home against Buffalo. You just experienced the bookends of Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. Yep. Where you've got a guy who can go into a hostile road environment against, albeit a hobbled version of it, but one of the great quarterbacks of all time and outduel him in late fourth quarter overtime. Second half, really, yeah. Yep. And uh, and there was some luck involved. You know, he he tried to throw a couple interceptions and there were some things that happened, but whatever. He Threw for 400-plus yards and found Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. Right. And then the following week, you saw the floor of Kirk Cousins, a guy who not only when he gets hit, he fumbles, but then when the pocket was clean, he's overthrowing three or four receivers when the game was still definitely in that question was odd in the first too. half. That, that, that was really odd. That for, From the first pass he threw, I think it was intended, I think it was deep right sideline for Diggs, yep. and he totally missed him. 
I didn't get that one. Yeah, there's there's two or three of them like that yeah, that made yeah. you scratch your head. But you know what this c- comes back to, too, though, as far as protection goes? This comes back to the fact that Kirk Cousins needs a clean pocket for as long as possible. Which which is what differentiates him from the t- the top, top ones. Like, he's, mm-hmm. he's paid as a top, top quarterback. Yep. Not that anyone's arguing that he's the third best quarterback in the NFL, but but what you just said, he does need three seconds. He needs to be able to drop back, survey the landscape. And you know, there's times where he'll he'll get away from a rush, but he's he doesn't have the mobility even of a Case Keenum. So that's one advantage mm-hmm. that Case Keenum. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins, but that's one advantage that Case Keenum had. That if the offensive line's playing terribly, he'll flush out. Um, he'll he'll avoid some pass rusher by doing a you know a limbo underneath his right bicep. How much of this though do you guys think that this is an unwillingness for him to? at times move around in the pocket and try and get outside if he needs to. Because there were times yesterday, and even in the Green Bay game last week, where he would drop back and he would sit there and he wouldn't even move. Like, he wouldn't step up. He wouldn't... He And it goes back to what Judd was saying about sensing pressure. Like, the, the couple of... I mean, Hughes was getting around the edge every single time, basically. <laughs> And Cousins wouldn't move. Yeah. And he would just sit there, and Hughes would hit him, would come around and hit him and knock the ball out. It happened on both of those fumbles. And so I just wonder if just, you know, he doesn't have to get like Aaron Rodgers and just run outside of the pocket and throw on the run and throw everything on a on a beam to a wide receiver 40 yards downfield. But, man, sometimes just... Try and sense that pressure and step up at least, or move it, around it's in slight, the pocket. It's slight moves too. Yeah, to your point, it's not. It's not like you're saying, "Okay, run this way, run that that way, and then throw it deep." You're actually just saying, "Can you can you sense enough pressure to sort of just move to your left, move to your right, and then throw?" And for whatever reason in watching him these first three weeks, I don't think he's got that trigger in his head to be comfortable doing that consistently. I don't know how many quarterbacks really do have a great handle on that. Right. I think if we, if you watch Tom Brady does, Aaron Rodgers does, and Drew, and Drew Brees, and there's a reason why those guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame, Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger, and there's a reason why Kirk Cousins is the 13th best quarterback in the league. I mean, it's just, and, and here's what is unfortunate. This defense doesn't look anywhere near like the defense of last year. And so, if you have the number one defense in the NFL, you can live with flaws on offense. It's the it's quarterback slash offense to defense ratio. Yep. yep. And um, it and if the defense is going to be the tenth best defense in the league and be leaky in the run game and they, and they can't guard tight ends because they miscommunicate in the secondary, well, then your quarterback play and your offensive line play have to make up for it. How yeah. much? How much did the second half of the Saints game and and then the entire um, conference championship game give teams now a blueprint? Because it seems to me like that's that's what they're going for now. I think that was our last our last call on Ventline, which is yesterday. I, somebody asked that, which is pretty smart. It is a I'm not necessarily going to try to attack your cornerbacks deep downfield, but I'm going to attack underneath linebackers and your nickel corner. How many big big plays have we seen now in the first three weeks to tight ends or guys who have basically just leaked out? And then, and I don't know who's to blame here, but it appears there's confusion between the nickel corner and linebacker about who's got whom, and it ends up in 
50 yard dance. And Anthony Barr just looks confused in general. Like he, with the, the classically dumb horse collar penalty from yesterday, yeah. getting hurdled by Josh Allen, for God's sakes. Yeah. Getting hurdled by Josh Allen. Do you believe Josh that play, Allen. though? Come on, dude. Josh, like, Josh Allen, do you want to live? It was amazing that he, that he pulled that off, but <laughs> you like, know what it was I'm, not Anthony Barr's <laughs> finest moment yesterday. You know what else I'm kind of noticing? Teams are hitting those quick slants pretty with some success yeah. against this defense. Now, yesterday, the Bills had a couple of those. But, in fact, they had a couple of them to Kelvin Benjamin, and he dropped them. He did his best Laquan Treadwell impression mm-hmm. yesterday. But I'm wondering about that, too, because we saw Nick Foles hit a couple of those in the NFC Championship game back in January, too. And so I'm wondering if – I think I think that's a fair question, that if teams are looking at this and saying, okay, Xavier Rhodes, good cover corner, but he has a little bit of trouble against Lance. Trey Waynes? A little bit of trouble against slants. Not a great tackler. Might be able to hit some of those. Might be something to think about. At least, the, at least the Packers are crappy, too. Go, Pack, go! To get to today, I think it's it's just frustrating. I mean, we just seem to come out so listless. And, uh, you know, there's we got that kind of no sense of urgency, and, and it just seems like we get off to such a slow start and then we're we're chasing it for the rest of the year, and then like hoping that other things happen. Um, you know, part of me I'm kind of have an eye on that uh, that Buffalo Minnesota game, and I'm happy about that, thinking, oh wow, look at that! At least we didn't lose to the Bills at home. But now I'm kind of fearful that might be us next week. <laughs> go, Pat, go! That's right. That was a good call. That's I sort of like that call. Yeah. They could easily be 0-3 right now. Um, so they're fortunate that they're not. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do to fix this. They have so many blown assignments uh, in the secondary. Uh, the defense looks poor in tackling. It's just bad. Um, you know, they got some work to do. Uh, luckily, they got Buffalo, but I wouldn't sleep on Buffalo either. We saw what they did to the Vikings today. So, um, you know, they Every game they've got to prepare for uh, going forward. You know what's going to happen, right? The Packers are going to roll the Bills by like four touchdowns. Yeah, uh-huh. without a shadow of a doubt, right? Yeah. Of without course, a shadow because of, a doubt. of course that happens. Of course, that's just how it works. Because <laughs> they're prepared, like the yeah. caller said, you got to be prepared for these yes. games. <laughs> uh, let's let's get into uh, well, Judd's expert photo bombing today for sure, and I. I'd love to hear more about your experience at Wolves Media <laughs> Dysfunction Day. All right. And Ta- Taj Gibson with the honest quote of the day, too, that we can get to when we come back. Mm-hmm. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. So in terms of where Jimmy is, uh, he came in, he did his physical. He still needs a little time to uh, uh, finish up his his rehab and some conditioning, so he's probably a week away. Uh, and this isn't the first time we've had requests uh, for players to be traded. So anytime that happens, you know, you, you look at what's available and if it makes sense for the team. And if it makes sense for the team, we'll do it. 
But Jimmy needs about a week, and, and we're going to give that to him. Well, okay, so many things to unpack here. First of all, can we start with expert photo bomber Judd Zolgad? I retweeted <laughs> the photo. If you haven't seen Judd, it's like the intro for Entourage, where like Turtle and uh, <laughs> yep. Vinny are all going. And it's Judd, like Wiggy yes. and Judd and his bunnies pull over, T- corner zip. Tiggy, me, Wiggy. <laughs> We're all heading to media day. Yeah. So what? Ex- explain the story behind you and Wiggy walking down the right. hallway and the skyway together today. So I, uh, I mistakenly thought that that the press conferences for today were going to be in Mayo Clinic Square. So I parked in the targets in a ramp, okay. and I walked past the arena and went through the skyway, went upstairs. And as I got upstairs, or as I'm walking through the skyway, I see Tibbs and all the guys coming at me. So I'm like, well, that's sort of weird. They're going that way. I'm going this way. So I went up to where the Wolves receptionist is, and it was Teague and Andrew were just coming out of the door there. And I said to the receptionist, where's media day? And she's like, Target Center. You're, she said, you're not invited, actually. I, she said, Target Center. And I said, oh, I thought it was here. And so I walked back through. Well, of course, they were right in front of me. And I was keeping my distance because like, I wasn't going to be like getting too close yeah. to them. Yeah, I kept the cir- my distance. The circus performs in arenas, yeah, all right? Yeah, exactly. should have known that. Exactly. So I'm walking back through. And as I'm walking back through the Skyway to go uh, to Target Center, there I see a photog with a big old school nice zoom lens camera. And I'm like, I know what he's doing. And I thought to myself, I could try and get behind a player and sort of shield myself, but I don't care. No, you're right there. I don't care. So, but here's, but I was thinking to myself, well, he's taking pictures that they're going to put in like, I don't know, a yearbook or something like that. So, were you fully aware that you were that you were photobombing at this point? I was fully aware that there was a very good chance that. Now, I didn't expect them to turn up immediately on Twitter and online, (laughs) but I was fully aware of the fact that I probably, because of how I was standing, could end up as a subject of said pictures. See, in retrospect, if you could have if you could have drawn something or written something on a sign and held it up behind Andrew Wiggins, that would have been ideal. Try harder. That would have that would be one. <laughs> w- Wiggy try harder. <laughs> but so so he took the picture kittens and don't, then, kittens don't make the playoffs. What was the Joe Colley line in his Joe oh, Colley yeah. who's an absolute mouthpiece for the, the Jimmy Butler don't group. Chase the Warriors. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know. Some, Guess what? Something, something like that. Jimmy yeah. Butler ain't going to chase the Warriors when he's playing for the Clippers or Nets either. So Or the just, Heat. Or the Heat. At or, this rate. or the Knicks. My, my, my favorite yeah. one in the past two days, Cleveland. Cleveland now wants Jimmy Butler. Saw Jimmy that. Butler for Kevin Love, straight up. Who how, says no? How great would it be to send him to Cleveland, though? Be like, hey, it's not our problem. Reckless speculation. Uh, I mean, if... If Jimmy is complaining about other guys not being good defenders around him and not trying hard enough on defense, does he really? What does he think he's going to get if he's teammates with Kevin Love? A year before free agency, that's what he's going to get. That's yeah, all he's going to get. Play somewhere else. Uh, there's a there's an article here on ActionNetwork.com, which is a notorious, fairly new sports gambling website. They have all kinds of good content and podcasts, and an author named Matt Moore went through all these different teams ranking his trade wish list, Jimmy Butler's, with, I think it's the ESPN.com, uh, what do you call it, the, the trade machine? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's one of them. This is this might be up Manny's alley here because uh, you're a Tobias Harris guy, aren't you? Yeah, I like Tobias. He's a good, solid player. Now, Tobias Harris apparently turned down a massive $80 million contract extension because he wants a bigger payday. So they offered him an $80 million contract extension this summer, and he said no. 
See, if I was if I was Tobias's agent, I would say, hey, Tobias, psst, come over here. <laughs> it's good money. Take it. Take the $80 million. Take the 80. Your name is Take Tobias Harris. Yeah. Take the money. <laughs> Uh, but the, this this trade is a three way deal involving the Suns, and I don't know if there there might be some draft picks here. But the Wolves would get Tobias Harris and T.J. Warren from Phoenix, hmm. and the Clippers would get Jimmy Butler and Josh Okogie with Patrick Beverly going to the Suns. Reckless speculation. I I like Tobias Harris, T.J. Warren. I mean, if you think the Wolves have shooting problems now. <laughs> like TJ Warren's a good player, but he's not going to guard anybody and he's not going to hit a shot outside of like 12 feet. He's like all drive to the rim, finish at the rim, which he's actually pretty good at. But can he switch? Can he switch? Switch. switch. But that's but that's the thing. The Wolves don't even switch def- on defense. They don't even switch. Which I think is part of the reason why they struggle defensively is because they don't but switch. But they're supposed to. They're supposed they to. Just to the coach. NBA, they're supposed to. The, the second Proposed trade here that actually went through on the ESPN.com trade machine involves shipping both Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. Of course, the, I would like that to the Brooklyn Nets. Could you imagine if Jimmy Butler, like, hey, you get your wish, you get to be traded to the but Nets, and the Clippers, going and Wiggins with you. going, yeah. with you. and Luca's in first years. class sitting by you, going out to Newark, <laughs> probably sleep- Andrew, <laughs> probably sleeping, but yeah, you know, hey, hey Jimmy, <laughs> and the Wolves would get Alan Crabb, Kenneth Fareed. And D'Angelo Russell, and maybe a draft pick or something. Alan Crabb. Well, Alan Crabb can shoot. I want nothing to do with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. And I want nothing to do with um, Kenneth Fareed either. He's an energy guy. Yeah, but he can't play defense. Seems like a Tibbs guy. Yeah, he's... D'Angelo Russell's a really bad idea after what we have just been through with uh, Butler and Downs. We don't need more problems here, okay? <laughs> More guys with potential motor issues. Let's not. Let's just stay away from the problems, okay? Uh, what was your? So you were there at media day today. Yeah. You guys talked about this in the first hour, but for new audiences and myself, what did you learn? Um, I learned that uh, Tibbs and Layden would, would have probably rather been having rectal exams than be there talking to us. They were as miserable as you possibly can get. Tibbs seems like the type of guy that schedules one just for fun every six weeks. <laughs> There's so many ways you could go with this. There's so many things you could bark that Manny playing role. Tim's could like in that way. I just, could bark out sickos. Um, ice. All right. Okay, so did you say ice? Ice, ice, ice. ice. We're looking at. Ab I knew wings. you were gonna go with that. That's disgusting. You think you like appetizers? Tom Thibodeau doesn't just like appetizers. He f- loves them. We're looking to add wings. Wings! Yeah! yeah. yeah. Small plates! Calamari! Mozzarella sticks! Yeah, spinach and artichoke dip! Oh my gosh. How did we go from... I guess it's my fault. Um, so, <laughs> like, why is he out there? So, what's this? Whole, Jimmy's rehabbing. Well, that, that's and- what that's what I, I was going to say. Everything for the most part that they said made sense because you're obviously going to say that we're not going to give Jimmy away. We're going to drive a tough bargain because you want teams to think, oh man, they're driving tough bargains. And will the rehabbing thing though, Phil? Explain this to me because it seemed that struck me as a potential sabotage. Like Tom never tells us anything about guys who, who are hurt. We're going to ne- give him a, you know, he needs a week and we're going to give it to him. Yeah. 
It, it almost seemed like Tom wants Glenn to think he's doing what Glenn wants, but then he's just going to throw in this qualifier that, well, he's he's hurt. Yeah, and this is where I Glenn, don't get that. Glenn, I don't feel bad at all for Glenn Taylor because Glenn Taylor is the one who puts himself in this position time after time after time. But basically, when he's not empowering Flip Saunders to coach or run the franchise, he's hiring guys at the end of their careers like Rick Adelman or just incompetent boobs like David Kahn, and in this case, <laughs> Tom Thibodeau, too. But... If you're Glenn Taylor at this point, and you've made it clear to the entire world that Jimmy Butler is going to be traded ASAP, how can you possibly trust Tom Thibodeau to be the one that gets you the best return on investment aligned with the future of Carl Anthony Towns, et cetera? Well, right? like, he's going to, it's, he, it's like I said, I don't think Tom Thibodeau can objectively handle this situation. No, there's no chance. And I told Manny this in hour one, and I firmly believe it too. Tibbs, you can tell, is classifying this. He, I don't think he is any longer interested in the president of basketball ops role. I think he's right now thinking firmly as, I've got a coach with one year left. So the way I'm going to coach this team is to get back what I can and win immediately as as much as I can in a stacked conference with no regard for the future of this franchise. And that's that's going to be his and approach. That's, that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous approach it's, for this franchise as they currently stand right now. It's the opposite of what... So you, you have a guy who's about to turn 23 years old who just signed a five-year contract extension that doesn't kick in until next year, right? So mm-hmm. he's effectively locked in for the next six years until he's 29 years old, 28, 29 years old. There's no reason to rush the seven seed in the Western Conference with a bad roster and bad contracts. They should be stockpiling assets. They they really should. Yes. And and it's unfortunate that they couldn't make this work with Jimmy Butler in his prime and Carl Anthony Towns. That would have been ideal, right? That you make the you get you get Butler back on a contract extension and those guys like playing together and the Tom Thibodeau experiment goes better, but it didn't. It it just didn't. It's all blowing up in your face. And Tom Thibodeau is the main reason why. And at this point, if he's not willing to stockpile assets for himself or the next guy, then he's got to go too. Yeah, he can't be the one. Allowing the timing is a huge problem now. Allowing him to remain in the job as president of basketball operations right now is a monumental mistake. That's going to lead to another huge dry spell. But then again, it's Scott, if Scott and Layden, if you said, "All right, Tibbs, you're stripped of front office duties," and Scott Layden is now effectively your boss, he just makes I think a lot fire less money. I think you got to buy him out. But Scott Layden, look at there's there's a little bit of there's some good and some bad with Scott Layden's track record in the front sure. office, but he has a lot of bad with the Knicks when he made all those moves in the late '90s, early 2000s. Because everybody with the looks at with the Knicks and their troubles that they had, everybody looks at Isaiah Thomas, but it really it started Scott Layden was mm-hmm. running that ship first. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and so well, their their problem right now is there is no good solution here. All I know is that Tibbs shouldn't make this trade. And he shouldn't be in charge. This is going to his his view of what he has to do in the 2018-19 season is going to be far more destructive than any good that can come from now. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on this. It, I yeah, what would you guys bet if if you had to pick? I know Tom Thibodeau's trying to stretch it out. Well, Jimmy's got you know, his rehabbing and he's this and this in a week. Stretch by noon on Thursday. So two and a half, two days or whatever, almost three days. Is is Jimmy Butler still a Timberwolf? At noon on Thursday? I'm going to say no. Because I think Glenn, over the next couple of days, is going to actually step in and say, "Let's we need to get something done now. I agree. I think you should be right. And and I, I thought he actually 
might be traded by today, but with the way that this is going to play out, I have doubts. Yeah, I have doubts that they are actually going to make a trade that they should make as soon as possible. Uh, with Collar in Los Angeles for the week, on the verge of Vikings and Rams, Courtney Cronin's going to join us for the football hour and the 5 o'clock, but when we come back, the floor is Judd's for a long-awaited apology. That's right. You still be waiting. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. The Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here from the TCL Broadcast Studio, 694 eastbound. We have a crash uh, between Longley Road and 35W in New Brighton. That's still uh, slowing things down. If you're headed eastbound, that's adding about five minutes to your commute. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, uh, everything else around the system moving per average around uh, this time of the day. All right. Go ahead. What's that? Go ahead what? You can talk more golfers. I mean, Winfield's lost now. Do you want to talk about Vikings again? Do you want to talk more Wolves? Or uh, don't stall. Great dumpster fire. Don't stall. I mean, you've been you've been mocking and ridiculing and laughing at me for years on this show. Oh, are you talking about that uh, nondescript golf tournament that? Was transpiring while I was watching football on Sunday. Yeah, you know, the, is, is that the one the, that tour, some just that tour championship tournament? With yeah, the you know, thirty I best really, players in the world. You, you know, know, I really turned the calendar on golf probably a month ago or so. Who won that, by the way? Yeah, a, a man named Eldrick Woods. You might be familiar. He wears a red shirt most Sundays and had about nineteen oh, I, back surgeries and was ranked a thousandth you know in the what? world about a year ago. And I now told you this when he was contending in uh, in the Open. Good for him. I think it's great. How about I just didn't think it was coming? How about I, Judd Zolgad, was wrong about Tiger Woods? Oh, he should have retired. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I wasn't wrong. He just didn't take my advice. Yeah. Should have retired. He's he's the best player in the world. He should have retired. Did did you, the the gallery following him, that shot is such a great shot. It was, it was, Manny Manny and I watched the end of it after Ventline was over. And it was like Tiger Woods was legit shaken because, I mean, he's played in front of huge crowds his whole life. But that was something totally different, and it almost looked like he was going to get trampled by these people <laughs> who've been out there drinking all day, I'm sure. And uh, and after it was over, and he's kind of fighting back tears a little bit. He's a robot. He mostly doesn't show any emotion, right. except when he gets getting caught cheating nine years ago. And oh, right, because that was for PR purposes, too. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? But he's he's he never really shows any other side of him other than what you see for four hours on on TV. And he even said... When I had to walk up and hit that shot out of the bunker, I was I had to like calm myself and say I don't know I just don't blade it, don't top it into the audience. Did you tear up? That's my question. I welled up a little bit. Did you well up? Yeah. I don't blame you. It, it is it is legit one of the coolest sports stories that that just as as someone who's followed him and is rooted for him since about 1996. Uh-huh. To see him come from four back surgeries to chipping yips, a lot of this stuff is self induced, like. The marriage, the DUI, mm-hmm. or the the pain medication stuff. All the waitresses, which is a, a year ago. Yeah, there's a lot of self induced stuff in there. He dug he 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 dug his own ditch. <laughs> yes, he did. But it's cool well, to see him good story, dig out of it and win the tour championship. And you know what? It proves cool. it proves again, and it's been proven time and time again. If you are sorry, if you come off as being sorry about your transgressions. We love to forgive you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he now has, for as big a pariah as he was 
X amount of years ago now. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who are really happy. He comes off more human now too. Like he's, mm-hmm. I don't know, he seems he seems to engage a little bit more, yeah. and he doesn't he doesn't swear in front of the cameras as much and get mad. I and mean, he'll still spike a club once in a while, but he's it feels like he has a, a different perspective on life. Whether it's because he has kids, this is the first time his kids have ever really gotten to watch him golf at this level. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, but it's just it's very easy. Anyway, I'm, glad, I'm sorry I'm for, for clowning you for four years about Tiger Woods. Come on, Jed, you can do it. I was wrong right. about Tiger Woods. I'm going to stick ahead. by two things. I told him to retire, and I told Peyton that second Super Bowl is not worth it. It's an embarrassment how you're throwing the football in Denver, and they both didn't listen to me. But Tiger Woods <laughs> is the best golfer in the world right now. I know he's not ranked number one. He's ranked probably tenth or fifteenth. He's the best it? golfer in the world right now. Really? Yes. He almost won the British Open, almost won the PGA, Ooh. and and dominated the Tour Let's Championship. Let's that one by Patrick. Okay. That's a good, that's, wow. Best golfer in the world right now. I know I can't, mm. Manny doesn't watch enough golf for me to ask him. Yeah, I can't, I can't weigh in on that particular, uh, that particular. Let's have Patrick take, break that tie. The only, the only player that Patrick, I'll predict this. I have not talked to Pat about this. The only player Pat would put in front of Tiger maybe is Justin Rose, because Justin Rose has had an amazing season. He sure. just won the FedEx Cup. He did, but he he won the FedEx Cup melting down on Sunday in the same tournament that right. Tiger throttled, you know, throttled down through the entire weekend. Well, he bogeyed a couple holes in the back, but I'm trying to think of the other golfers that Pat would put in front of Tiger right right now. Just this this last three to four months as Tiger has ramped it back up. Kepka. I, I don't know, man. Hey, Kepka just finished like third to last in the tour championship. He might put Kepka. Of, of bad boys. What, what's going on with uh, Dustin right now? He and Paulina are having problems again, and like, really? Really? like she's troll, she's trolling him on. I, I don't know if it's Twitter or Instagram or something. Yeah, I think something. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think something happened. I, are I think Dunsky. I don't know if they're Dunsky, but I think Dustin went astray again. I wonder if she's uh, trying to expedite uh, the the big day because they've been engaged for like. I think he they've been engaged for like five years. I think but he they didn't expedite it through his uh, transgressions of but something definitely Ooh. happened there. And she's yeah, she posted something on I want to say Instagram last week perhaps of her alone, and it was has had sort of a weird scathing remark with it. Yeah, there is something. Dustin is has goofed up again. Maybe Ooh. she found out that much like if if it were Judd in that spot, that guys are only in it for Wayne. They're really only in it for Wayne. Oh, plenty no of fish in the sea. Be. There's only one Wayne. Oh, there's Gretzky. only one. Wayne, there's only one great one. Yep. Ninety-two goals. You're exactly right. <laughs> she's. You know what? She's gorgeous. I don't care. I just. If I could hang with her dad, that's all I want. <laughs> Me and the great one, Paulina. Go, go, go. Do something else. Yeah, just leave us alone I'm, for a little. I'm while. talking to your dad. Give us some alone time. I'm I gotta, to I gotta ask your dad about the '85 Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> Ninety-two goal season. Oh, there's a lot of things that I could ask Wayne about. Canada Cups Ooh, would be great. What's it like playing for Barry Melrose with the Kings? <laughs> that would be a good question. I bet he, <laughs> I bet that answer would be telling. Oh, man. Not as good as you thought it was, kid. I miss Barry. We should get Barry back on the show here to talk about wild players that haven't been on the roster in like two years. Then he knows a Danny, Danny Heatley. Heatley. He it was Danny Heatley. I was he was going through. I'm like, who's going to score for the Wild this year, Barry? Well, he, well, you know they Heater, got a bunch of good players. Heater, you know? Heater. Yeah, like, no. did that seriously happen? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my God. And Barry also nice guy, but he always calls us mini hockey people. Love that. I it's Kevin I, uh, Weeks does it too. Yeah, but I like him so, so much. I don't mind as much. But yeah. Barry is always mini. I come to mini. I love mini. It's, no one calls it mini. Yep. Now we try to get Judd to apologize in a soft golf voice. Go ahead, one more, one more chance, Judd. You can apologize. Hello, Judd. Your Jim Nance voice. Hold on. Just say I'm sorry. 
Tiger Woods. Phil, you were right about Tiger. Tiger Woods. Well, I'm happy for him. Could have walked away and spent more time with his children. And he elected not to. You know he what? He spends plenty of time Delinquent, with his children. Delinquent father. Delinquent father is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Now back to you. His kids were watching via satellite intently yesterday, okay? <laughs> the football hour is next with Courtney Cronin. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.